0: So what does an 85 Chevy van, the state of Wyoming, and prayer have in common? The 139 Podcast starts now. Welcome to 139, the official podcast of Love Times 2. Here is your host, Mike Victor. Hey, welcome to 139. This is the official podcast of Love Times 2. I'm really glad that you're tuning in to this episode of the podcast because we're actually going to be covering part one of a two-part discussion on the power of prayer. Now, don't panic. Don't tune out of the podcast thinking, oh, he's going to talk about prayer and it's going to be some sort of cheesy religious discussion. I really hope that uh, that's not what this comes off as. Uh, What I hope this comes off as is a challenging discussion for For me, for you, for everyone listening in on this podcast, uh, a challenge on whether or not we are really relying on the power of prayer as the fuel for all of our efforts. Because I can just tell you that if Love Times 2 fails to rely on the power of prayer, if we're not going to take it seriously, our mission of making the world a better place for moms and babies will fail. And I don't want to see it fail. I know you don't want to see it fail. Uh, so we need to really have this gut-check discussion today on the power of prayer. It is the fuel that drives the engine of love times too. So if we're going to talk about fuel, we're going to talk about engines. Uh, I would just love to uh, have you join me in stepping back a few years uh, in an incident that my family experienced when we were out in Wyoming. Now, if you've ever been to Wyoming... And I hope you have. What a beautiful state. If you've ever been to Wyoming, you know that Wyoming is chock full of wide open spaces and highways that seem to go on forever and ever. Now, my family was on vacation at Yellowstone National Park on part of a longer trip that we took out west. And we opted to take the scenic route. Uh, that roughly followed the Oregon Trail route as we were heading back towards uh, Indiana. And, I mean, you got to take the scenic route in Wyoming, right? I mean, it's easy to take the interstates, and sometimes you have to. But if you can get off the beaten path and take the scenic route in Wyoming, that's what we're going to do every single time. And, wow, was it ever scenic. For someone born in the Midwest, I mean, we're driving through areas... ...of Wyoming with uh, red rock cliffs and and mountain peaks in in every single direction. And it was just an absolutely uh, beautiful drive. So we're driving on this scenic route on our way back uh, from Yellowstone and enjoying all of these sites, and really not paying much attention to the fuel in our 85 Chevy van. Now, if you've ever driven an 85 Chevy van, uh, you know, my sympathies to you, but I can tell you uh, 85 vans were not built with fuel economy in mind. So when you're driving a big vehicle and you're loaded down with camping gear and the whole family and everything else, it, it's normally wise to pay attention to your fuel gauge. Uh, But when you are consumed with all the sights and everything around you and consumed with trying to stay awake on this uh, long drive uh, in the middle of nowhere, sometimes you lose track of that. And I lost track of it. Honestly, I lost track of where we were at with our fuel. And somewhere, I don't know, somewhere... uh, Yeah, just shortly after passing uh, one of the memorial markers in Wyoming to Sacagawea, one of Lewis and Clark's uh, guides. Somewhere along that route, I realized that we hadn't fueled up since we left Yellowstone, and that kind of gave me this sinking feeling in my stomach that we may be in trouble here, and uh, slowly my eyes drift down to the fuel gauge, and sure enough, I realized that we are on less than one-eighth of a tank. Now, one-eighth of a tank in an 85 Chevy van means that you don't have much fuel left. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not like it's 50 miles per gallon and you can go a long way. You get to an eighth of a tank and you're in trouble if you don't have a gas station somewhere close by. So and back in this day, and this will tell you how long ago it was, we were relying upon um, one of those, I think it was a TomTom Tom navigational system. Uh, Remember the old tom-toms? That's what people used before smartphones. That shows you how far back this was. But anyways, we were relying upon that uh, to kind of give our guidance. Well, when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you don't even pick up any signals for that. You don't pick up signals in most of Wyoming for your smartphone today if you're out there. Uh, So we're not picking up any signals. So we have to rely upon uh, the actual physical roadmap. Now, some of you listening to this don't even know what a physical road map looks like. You've never experienced that. I can tell you it's good to have one in your vehicle. It's the old dog-eared thing that's actually made of paper, and it's printed. You stuff it under your front seat, at least I do, and you can pull it out if you have an emergency situation like this. So I pull out this dog-eared road map, and I'm looking for where I can possibly stop to get gas because we're in real trouble here. And I see this uh, city coming up, city, quote-unquote, loosely defined, called Jeffrey City in the middle of Wyoming. And that is where I circle as our stop to get gas for our van. So I think we're out of trouble here. It's maybe 15 miles up the road. Well, we got to Jeffrey City, and Jeffrey City is a ghost town. I mean, it's changed a little bit now. We were we were through there, I think, two years ago, and it has changed. But uh, in the day when we passed through there during this trip... Jeffrey City was a ghost town. Oh, there was a gas station there, but the gas station had rusted out pumps and looked like it had been closed probably since the 1950s. Now it became serious. So I I pulled out the road map again, gave it a quick once-over, and saw that the next nearest town was quite a distance away. At that point, my thought was, we're not going to make it. The only thing that mattered now was the one thing we needed to keep the motor running. If we couldn't get our hands on that, we knew we would be dead in our tracks. And it's funny how everything else faded in significance. The scenery, the hunger for dinner, the weariness of driving, everything else faded once we realized that we needed fuel and we needed it now. Okay, why did I just tell you a whole story about my family trip in Wyoming? Well, I submit to you that in the same way, we can never forget our need for prayer in the life movement. Never as in never. Because it's our lifeline of communication to the creator of life. It's not pie-in-the-sky rhetoric that I'm tossing out here. It's a simple, undeniable truth. We need prayer as the fuel of our efforts, just as I needed gasoline, real gasoline, to fuel our 85 Chevy van to get to where we're going. You see, the battle for lives of unborn children and for these babies' moms is at its very core spiritual battle. And you don't hear that talked about a lot because normally uh, the political discussion dominates it. You don't see CNN coming on and talking about the spiritual battle over abortion because it's foreign to them. They don't get it, and I don't expect them to get it. But as followers of Christ... We should all realize that the battle for the lives of unborn children and their moms is at its very core a spiritual battle. There is a God who is the creator of life, and there is an enemy who wants to destroy anything that bears the fingerprints of God. I am personally convinced that in the twisted thinking of this enemy, there's no more piercing an attack on the heart of God than to attack the most innocent and defenseless of his creations. So why should we be surprised, or sometimes even ignore, that this is a spiritual battle. God's word tells us very plainly that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities. Followers of Christ are even urged to take up the spiritual armor of God so that we are able to fight and to have a defense in this whole spiritual arena in which we have been thrust. And if we fail to fight this battle at its most fundamental level, Here's the reality of it, okay? I'm just, just going to tell you the reality. No political party, no petition drive, no fundraising campaign, no marketing strategy will ever overcome our deficiency in prayer if we ignore this issue, okay? If we ignore the power of prayer. Now, I know that in some circles that prayer is a very touchy issue, uh, you know some folks are very concerned that well if there's if there's too much connection to prayer it sort of corners the life movement into this religious corner and makes us less relevant to the culture around us that's the concern that some people have or they feel like well it makes us too look too much like a church or it conjures up all these stereotypes of people have when they think of prayer sometimes. And, you know, there are folks who say, hey, we can't really emphasize this because if we do, folks will take us less seriously. You know, there are legitimate concerns here. Certainly, we don't want to set ourselves up as caricatures to be seen by the world as some type of religious nuts. And we can all think through of probably people we've seen or we know where it's like, wow, I mean, you guys are, are really, you know, g- given a bad impression uh, of, of what followers of Christ uh, really should look like. Uh, and certainly we need to be wise. But when these concerns drive us away from prayer, then we all lose. And, and more importantly, unborn children and their moms lose. So, let's approach this from a little bit of a different perspective. Let's suppose, let's just suppose, something just for a few minutes here. So, kind of think along with me. Without prayer, what are we really relying on? I mean, seriously, what are we really relying upon if we take prayer out of the equation? What are we relying upon for the power and the strength? What are we relying on to make the world a better place for moms and babies? I mean, that's, that's a fundamental question. So we're going to take prayer out of the equation and then ask this question. What are we going to count on? Are we counting on money? Well, if we are, we might as well pack it up right now. I'm just going to tell you, we are outfunded by abortion supporters by such a large margin, it's just not even funny. Not only do they have an entire industry to fuel their efforts, they also enjoy gleaning our tax dollars and the favor of Really massive foundations. One of the things that I've seen in my time of leadership and applying for grants from various different organizations is how discouraging it is when you see these foundations that just have billions of dollars available that are supporting things like abortion. You know, one check from a Warren Buffett or a Bill Gates can counter all of our fundraising campaigns nationwide together in one fell swoop. That's just the reality of it. I mean, this imbalance doesn't dismiss us from our best effort to raise resources for pro-life work, but we will never stand on an equal playing field with abortion supporters if we're going to try and match up bank accounts. So if we're counting on money, we're going to lose. Are we counting on political clout? Well, depending on, you know, depending on the tide, of the current election cycle, we may be more or less able to compete on this footing. I mean, there, politics goes in cycles. You know, there are times where we've got a lot of opportunity. There are times where we are shut down for a long, long time in political efforts. So if we're going to count on political clout, we need to realize this ground will always remain unstable, shaky at best. Political clout is fleeting. It's unstable, and quite frankly, it's unpredictable. You just don't know what's going to happen. Even the best of folks that we count on in the political world may eventually fail our cause. But an omnipotent God who cares for every child he creates in the womb will never turn his back on us. But do we turn our back on him when we carve him out of our efforts? That's a big question, okay? Now let's move on to something else. Are we counting on our staffing most organizations within a life movement are staffed on shoestring budgets and volunteers. I can just tell you, I've been involved in this arena for 30 plus years. Most organizations within a life movement are staffed on shoestring budgets and volunteers. Contrast that to the abortion industry where these massive, you know, bloated budgets give the luxury of high paid, specialized staffing. We're going to be outstaffed. It's just the way it is. Quantity wise, not quality wise, uh, but quantity wise. So, I ask again on these three things. Are we counting on money? We're going to lose that fight. Are we counting on political clout? That will be cyclical. Sometimes we'll be in good shape. Sometimes we'll be in bad shape. Are we counting on staffing? We're always going to lose that discussion as well. So what is it that we're relying on to win this battle? How about the ultimate resource? (laughs) You got it. I mean, our right as followers of Christ is to bring our needs, our fears, our weaknesses, and more to the throne of God. Wow, how big is that? I mean, seriously, how big is that that we can bring needs, fears, weaknesses to the throne of God? We have that right as followers of Christ, and that is absolutely huge. Why would we want to park that over somewhere in the corner and say we're not going to rely on that? It It would just flat be silly, and yet sometimes we do that. And if there's one resource that abortion supporters can never compete with, abortion supporters cannot compete with us on this ground. And I get it. I mean, that doesn't stop abortion supporters from trotting out God's name when it's it's convenient to do so. They will. I've seen it all the time. In fact, in many areas, the most vocal supporters of abortion actually wear a pastor's title. And that's kind of really disturbing, but I've seen it. I've sat in committee hearings where individuals claiming to represent Christ will be there to testify in favor of expanding abortion. And that just amazes me. Uh, and I've heard some of the silliest arguments and some of the uh, greatest twisting of Scripture in some of these testimonies. But you know what? I mean, I can't stop them from saying that. But these folks are sadly mistaken. If they believe God will bless their efforts to destroy human life, they are deceived. I'm just saying that they're they're deceived. The creator of the universe, the creator of the universe, isn't that amazing, is in our corner. And no amount of advertising money or no amount of staffing, no amount of political clout is ever going to wipe that away. So here's the point of this entire discussion. I believe abortion supporters will gladly fight us on every other ground imaginable, but on the one on which they know they cannot and they will not win. Have you ever really thought about that? I think abortion supporters are glad to make this a political debate, I think they're glad to make this an issue about who has the most money. I think they're glad to make this an issue about staffing, resources, all the sort of sort of stuff—the stuff that the world would say, "Hey, that's what really matters. What what is your bottom line? How many resources do you have? How much revenue do you have? How much clout do you have in Washington or at your local state house or whatever?" Uh, in their minds, that's what determines uh, the outcome of the battle. But we are on this, uh, we are on this ground in which we have this advantage of the power of prayer going directly to the God of the universe. Okay. That's end of part one. Next time we have this discussion, I'm going to be talking about what would it actually look like? What would it actually look like? If we fully relied on the power of prayer, and if we fully rely on God to show up big and do amazing things, In making the world a better place for moms and babies. Hey, thanks for tuning in today to this discussion on the power of prayer. I hope that you're enjoying the 139 podcast. We have quite a few episodes. So if this is the first episode that you've listened to, uh, I hope that you go back and and listen to some of the other topics that we've talked about. Uh, And if you have questions, if you have comments, if you have uh, topics that you'd like for us to address, uh, hey, uh, drop me a line at contact at love times two dot org. That's love, the letter X, the number two. Dot org and let me know what uh, you'd like to have discussed on this podcast I really would enjoy hearing from you and, and uh, while you're doing that go to our Facebook page we're on Facebook at love times two org uh, like that page and follow us there to give you a great insight into some of the stuff that's happening with love times two nationwide so until we meet next time in part two always remember change the culture and the politics will follow this has been 139 the official podcast of Love Times 2. Join us in the journey at Lovetimes2.org. That's Love, the letter X, and the number 2.org. Thanks for listening.